0: No. <music>
1: Mafia family. You turn your back and you get whacked. Our guys come back from Japan
2: with this NEC and it's loaded with Microsoft programs. Your Microsoft programs. They're almost identical to ours. There may be some similarities, Steve. Similarities. There it is. (laughs) Try theft. Steve, all cars have steering wheels, but no one tries to claim that the steering wheel was their invention. We have a contract, you and I. Well, you should read it more carefully. What is this? This is like doing business with, um, like a praying mantis, huh? You get seduced and then eaten alive afterwards. Get real, will you? You and I are both like guys that had this rich neighbor, Xerox, that left the door open all the time, and you go sneaking in to steal
1: the TV set. Only when you get there, you realize that I got there first. I got the loot, Steve! And you're yelling? That's not fair? I wanted to try to steal it first. You're too late.
2: We're better than you are. We have better stuff.
0: You don't get it, Steve. That doesn't matter.
2: podcasters, 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 this is DMS and I am Nat. With me as sometimes is the good Sir Hemingford Grade. How are you doing, my friend? How are you, Nat? I'm just fine. I'm just fine. You didn't tell me how you are, though. Oh, I'm good. I'm very, very good. Thank God. Oh, thank God. And a special guest friend of the show. First time appearance we have, Sorrel. Hey, dude, thanks for coming on. Ah, no problem. Glad to be here. And today, we're going to be talking about something near and dear to all of our hearts. We're going to be talking about computers from the perspective of uh, of reality. We're going to be watching some reality television or, well, documentaries. And uh, we're going to start out with Pirates of Silicon Valley, move on to the social network, and end off with We Are Legion. So let's roll right into it with Pirates of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Now, uh, I would call this a docudrama. It's not definitively a biopic, right? Which would probably be about one person. This is about uh, real life events that are uh, dramatized through the lens of, you know, a, a Hollywood retelling, right? So this is a, a docudrama that follows the exploits of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs as they rose from nothing in, in the 70s. And early 80s to create uh competing empires that eventually formed into a working relationship i've actually seen this movie a bunch of times because i don't know it has kind of a a, a really corny unconvincing quality about it it was uh um it's kind of over dramatized it was made for tv this was before prestige tv so it's like not up its own ass you know with the with the production values uh, maybe that's what i like about it i don't know it has sort of a very authentic quality even though it, i mean it is it is like you know as an effect of being uh, uh, as a virtue of like being so over dramatized it's inherently not authentic yeah it, it has sort of an, an unreal atmosphere to it exactly you're getting the perspective
0: of these two like tech giants you know personalities like gates and jobs And it seems somehow mundane. Right. Who actually wrote this? Do we know?
2: Oh, you know, I didn't even look at that. I did not do any uh, shameful pre-show research on this, um, even though I really like this movie. But in this, Steve Jobs is basically a psychotic hopper. You know, he's half German, half Syrian. He
0: comes across as a bit of an asshole.
2: Yeah, oh, a, a bit. Yeah, uh, that's understating it. <laughs> um, I mean, one of his own employees like throws him against the wall and beats him up, and he's bleeding. And and Bill Gates isn't much better. He's just like a neurotic Anglo in this. Um, <laughs> like a, a hyper autistic. He's sort of like the quintessential uh computer nerd. Like he's the ultimate like platonic form of the computer nerd, which is how he was, which is how he was seen at the time, right?
1: I thought I thought Noah Wiley made a good job because he, he actually looks quite a bit like him. Yeah, he,
2: he kind of he kind of fits the bill. Uh, I should mention this was made in 1999, so like thoughts about tech were a little bit different from what they are today.
1: It was written by a fellow called Martin Burke, who's a Canadian director, novelist, and screen screenwriter. So a lot of this, I would assume, is secondhand. Uh yeah. But to the, uh, my knowledge, they didn't um, like consult directly with the people in the movie.
2: Oh they didn't. Man, uh so a lot of this movie is um so they 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 use an interesting technique. They kind of narrate each side so so Steve Jobs' story and Bill Gates' story sort of happen separately and then they converge at the end of the movie. But each of their storylines is narrated and told from the perspective of one of their sidekicks. So Steve Jobs' story is told from the perspective of um of Steve Wozniak. Steve Oh, sorry. I'm gone, Gates. Right. So many Steves. So many Steves. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> a lot is of Steves. <laughs> is Steve Jobs' sidekick, and uh, Steve Ballmer is telling the story of Bill Gates.
1: So, what do we think the over and over under is on this? Do do we do we think they're kind of being kinder to these people than they actually are, or do you think they're being harsher people than they actually are?
2: To me, it's not like an either or. I think what they're trying to do is take they're flanderizing these people and and trying to make it as entertaining as they can while not outright lying so everything that you see in the movie like really truly actually happened i think with with people uh you know, yelling at one another and I don't know a lot of this stuff is very like uh, made for TV movie just like we say, corny oh unreal over dramatized so I don't think they're being harsher necessarily a lot of this is true to life it's just probably a lot more entertaining than it would be
0: yeah, I, mean, I would say it's more dramatic than the actual events would
2: have been
1: well, I was going to say about the stuff like uh, Steve Steve Jobs pretty much residing over like fist fights in the office and on the beach and stuff like that.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if some of that happened. Um especially in a company where there's like a these companies where there's a huge influx of cash and um Apple really is kind of like a, a cult of personality and I think that's sort of the secret to their success in a way as it's portrayed, as it's portrayed in the movie. Um this was, you know, before the iphone this was before a lot of things happened we'll talk about that in a bit but we mentioned the the actors uh uh, the, the guy who played steve jobs but there are a few other interesting actors in this the the dude who plays bill gates is the guy from the breakfast club of course when this movie came out i didn't really know about the breakfast club and a lot of 80s movies so um
1: well he was also in the dead zone the tv series he did about seven series of that i think
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a fairly famous actor. Uh, the dude who plays Wozniak is another famous actor. He was in a bunch of movies. I think he played Rhino in one of the Spider-Man movies. He was in Sideways, which is a good movie. Um, yeah, uh, it, good job there. I think Balmer is somebody, a comedian or something. I don't know. I, I, I felt like I recognized him. That's uh, that's basically it in terms of the kind of, kind of the big name actors. Uh, the dude who plays Jobs, what's his name again? Uh, Noah Wiley. Noah Wiley, right? Um, he actually came on stage during a Steve Jobs keynote as a gag, <laughs> and he he started to give the keynote as Steve Jobs, which I thought I, that's pretty cute.
1: Steve Ballmer is uh, is Bender from drama. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. That All oh, right. I felt like I recognized the name in the opening that's probably credit. why you didn't recognize
1: the face. You probably recognized the name.
2: Exactly. I recognize the name. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so funny. Because I can't think of anything else he's been... He, also, he he rocks a goatee, typically. So that's another reason I might not have recognized him.
1: Oh, there's also uh, Daniel Kotke. Uh he's played by a fellow called Marcus Giamatti. I wonder if he's related to the other
2: famous Oh wow. Yeah, I bet I bet you that's uh, I bet you that's the case. So uh, a lot of the uh, themes of this is that like these guys are like uh, they're pirates, they're 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 rock stars, they're rebels, and who's the uh, who's the institution? That's IBM, and, and they take they take time to rail on IBM a few times, and they're considered kind of the old guard of the of the tech revolution, and. IBM is supposed to be the uptight culture of people who quote dress the same and even have company songs like they're basically nazis, right? Like they're <laughs> that's how they're portrayed in the movie.
1: I found some good development quotes from the uh from the director. He said that he was it was in the start it was all about how the 286 computer became the 30386 so he was uh, but he was bored by it. So he said how oh, the studio asked him for suggestions. Burke states that I'm a great believer in Shakespeare, and what we had was a, was a modern equivalent of Hamlet, featuring two young princes, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs. Uh, the more I read about Steve in particular, the more, about, the more I saw him in those Shakespearean terms, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other bit that's quite interesting, he says, I did not want to do an authorised biography on either Microsoft or Apple, so we made the decision going in, we would not talk or meet with them. Oh,
0: that's interesting
1: yeah yeah
2: well, that absolutely comes across in the film perfectly in line uh, with everything we said.
1: They're pretty much like caricatures, weren't they? They weren't, They didn't seem like real people, did they? Yeah.
0: I watched a, a interview with um, Steve Wozniak where they asked his opinion about the film and he said they, he said that the actors were good and that they got the major events right, but that sort of the, the background characters uh, were sort of made up. And that a lot of credit was given to, well, he was speaking specifically about Steve Jobs, of course, but he said a lot of credit was given to Jobs for things that other people in the company had done or decisions that other people had made. It makes sense from a film perspective in that you'd sort of shift those actions to this character. But the, the other interesting thing is the decision to visit, uh, Palo Alto Park, you know, the park, um, building in, that Xerox owned wasn't made by Steve Jobs. They gave um, sort of presentations to people who asked. And many Apple employees had gone to the park before Steve Jobs decided to go there. So his employees had essentially talked him into it instead of it being his decision to go there
1: yeah the impression i got about steve jobs was he seems to be i mean how is he on the tech level i mean does he have a lot of knowledge because it seems to be that he's more of like a a carnival barker or a kind of trendsetter than he is an actual tech guy that's the view i also got
0: it seems like a lot of the technology that the early apple made was from steve wozniak
2: Absolutely. What Jobs provides is that cult of personality that I mentioned earlier. He he inspires people to do better work. That's it. That's it. The same way that I feel like when Trump was elected, it inspired a lot of people who felt like they were culturally politically disenfranchised to make themselves better people, become more involved in their communities. When you have have children, when you have hope for the future, when you have a belief in your cause, it's like you're superpowered. It's like you're supercharged. And that is what Steve Jobs does for people. Like, yeah, Steve Wozniak is responsible for the technology that made Apple possible. Other people are responsible for the innovations that led Apple up and up and up. And Steve Jobs did do a lot. Like he is a strategic master. He is also a master of good taste. He he is actually a worthwhile person. He's not a fraud. He's not but his uh, real strength that, that takes him from simply, like, good business person to legend is that he inspires the people who work for him. And he, he chooses people who have a lot of potential.
1: Am I right about the Apple phone? That, that generally it's, it, it's not the most Apple phone on the market, is it? because what what you're buying is the apple brand isn't it rather than being actually on, actually on the cutting edge of innovation I, I
2: wouldn't say that that might be the case nowadays um but if we're just talking about the uh, you know the mac or or the iphone you you are getting a a very 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 solid product it's um and of course the philosophies between like the iphone and 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 the modern day mac brand are different from you know the the pre, uh, you know Steve Jobs was fired from Apple, right? But before that, that first era of Apple, um, that it was a different philosophy. It was about democratizing technology, as you kind of get in in the the, the docudrama. Um, now it's about you know we have the sleekest experience. It's a status symbol. It's attractive. Um, the iMac kind of was steve job's first project when he came back to apple his first major project and that was more old school apple that was more democratizing technology um uh, anti-ibm kind of vibes uh again you know the the imac was a colorful attractive looking computer uh, versus the beige boxes that were prevalent um among personal computers in the 90s uh, and that that motif that aesthetic was absolutely IBM and then you had the iPod the iPod changed everything about Apple because it was attached specifically to music and music comes with its own cultural cues right and then those cultural cues spilled over into the rest of Apple the kind of elitism the stylishness uh, and and this created the whole culture of, like, geek chic that has now, like, expanded into, like, nerd culture merging with the mainstream. And, I, yeah, I think that all comes down to the iPod, I dare to say.
0: Oh, that's interesting because the iPod was sort of Steve Jobs' reintroduction into Apple. Like, when he came back after having been fired and retook the company, the iPod was, like, the major first thing they did from there.
2: Are you sure? I thought that was the iMac. I'm not sure,
0: but the, the iPod was the revolutionary one.
2: Yeah, it absolutely was. It was revolutionary. Um, I said earlier, the way that they represent IBM in the movie is like they're very uptight. The company song that they sing in the movie is kind of, of funny because it's a parody of the Mickey Mouse Club theme song. And at the end, the uh, the IBM guys call themselves gay as an insult. <laughs> I mean, this just shows that the 1990s were like peak homophobia. And I feel like that's sort of because the dam was about to break and everyone sort of knew it on a subconscious level. But anyway, like Apple, on the other hand, is punk rock. They're like they're innovators. They're democratic socialists. And stodgy old IBM just doesn't understand. They're one IBM is one of the dead gods that Steve Jobs mentions in the film and everyone around steve jobs like everyone he interacts with is more stuck up than steve jobs um even though steve jobs is an asshole he's like this laid-back you know hippie asshole right
1: i think he's definitely a sociopath isn't he or or that's the way he comes across the pirates of silicon valley
2: yeah a sociopath and a degenerate um I, i should say like you know, I hate Apple. I loved Apple for a long time, but I hate them now because without Steve Jobs, Apple is really just an empty status signal. Like it might have been a status signal before, after the after after the iPod came out. Um, but now there's no tangible, actual innovation that improves your life with every update.
1: No, it's it's just it's just incrementally um, improving. It's it's not leaping full.
2: No, no, and and a lot of that is because there's nobody to inspire people to move upward. There's, nobody, there's no one to moderate, uh, to be the adult in the room, and to push things forward. Uh, my favorite moment in the movie is when Steve Jobs drops acid and starts yelling, I'm conducting classical music, <laughs> which is also the opener to this episode, by the way. And it makes <laughs> me like, I, I, I always think about this part. Uh, Like I think in this moment, I am euphoric, I am conducting classical music.
1: <laughs> that was the bit that kind of solidified my opinion that he's kind of like the carnival barker of the company, whereas like he's the man at the center of the ring, isn't he? While everyone else is doing all the work.
2: Precisely, they nail yeah.
1: this in the movie. They nail this. Yeah. Um. Uh,
2: another thing I'd like to bring up is the commune that Steve Jobs goes to. That's where his ex-girlfriend, uh, who had his first child that he disowned, uh, later undisowned. But anyway, he goes to a commune. I think this is interesting. You don't see communes too much in the media. um, But they're sort of making a comeback now. And I think this is basically what people will do if Andrew Yang employs universal (laughs) basic income. Um, But what communes really are, they're like orgy and drug houses with like a whiff of homesteading thrown in.
1: You get about three things from hippie, hippie communes. You get serial killers. Or big businessman. <laughs> That's it. You're, you're going to be one of, or just generally a dropout. You're, you're going to be one of those four four things come from a hippie come.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All all of these people are, you know, just just in it for the parties. And then, you know, when it comes down to brass tacks, they end up being
1: in it for the money. Oh, sorry, actor is the other thing. Isn't it? Didn't Winona Ryder come from a come?
2: Winona Ryder, probably, probably a lot of, uh... and obviously
1: the Phoenixes. <laughs> Came from the same mm. the same sort of thing. <laughs> uh,
2: the other best scene in this uh, in this movie, but it's the "I got the loot," Steve. That's uh... oh, that
0: is one hundred percent the best scene of the movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm conducting classical music is is just more memeish for me. <laughs> but yeah, this is the best scene in the movie. The whole thing is like crescendos into this monologue. I love his delivery. Um, it's corny but also riveting at the same time. And it also looks like sort of folds in how Microsoft was the most successful company when this movie came out, but didn't produce good work. Like everyone was like, oh, Windows sucks and like Linux and Mac are better. And Microsoft doesn't deserve all their money. Like the whole idea of like, you know, sticking it to the man and being a revolutionary was so much different back then compared to what it is now.
1: Oh, that's that speech reminded me a little bit of RoboCop as well. Do you remember when Dick Jones is talking to uh, the guy, Go created Robocop, and he said, who, ca- who cared if it worked? I had orders for the ED209. It just reminded me of that.
2: Oh, right.
1: So that's yeah.
0: also sort of the culmination of Bill Gates' uh, character arc <laughs> because he gets introduced as a guy who can turn anything into a game of poker. Yeah. So he's sort of the, if you boil his character down to one thing, it would be like a poker player. And this is the scene where he reveals his hand and he, you know, he takes the pot.
2: Yeah, exactly. If Steve Jobs is like a degenerate and a sociopath, Steve, Bill Gates is also a sociopath, just in a different way. One that uh, apparently makes him late for airplanes a lot.
1: <laughs> well, no, not only that, he took the punishment beatings from uh, from Bill uh, from. Uh, Steve Jobs, didn't he? Because they said he'd only go quite. So he obviously he was playing possum, wasn't he, when he was getting his punishment beat, Steve Jobs, because he was playing the absolute long game, was
2: absolutely. Yeah. And who knows, like how realistic this is, or it, 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 but it's riveting. Like it's 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 interesting to watch how Bill Gates understands Steve Jobs' mentality. And he says, like, uh, "Oh, what is this? Such a great line, actually." He, um, he sees what he believes, not the other way around. That's what Bill Gates says about Jobs.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's something yeah. that it's something that plays out again in the next movie as well. Doesn't... Not that we're getting onto that yet, but it's like, no, it's we're like... not
2: getting onto that yet. <laughs> Don't <laughs> talk just... about. That. Don't make me re-edit this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Steve Jobs is—he uh, apparently died of gay sex. All of his like cancer <laughs> symptoms, pancreatic cancer, his diet—these are all. All apparently things that you'll get if um, you, you know, you have um, like HIV or something like that. So if he didn't explicitly die of gay sex, it is probably related to some other kind of sexual degeneracy. I don't know. This is just something that um, apparently was leaked. And it's difficult to say how uh, how how real this is, but um, it's like it has um, it's somewhat apocryphal, but there is some reason to believe that he had HIV and that it was kept under wraps. And it makes one wonder how he might have, if this is true, how he might have gotten it. Right.
0: Well, the one thing we do know about his death is that his life did not flash before his eyes <laughs> because Apple doesn't support flash.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god womp womp my dude thank you for that no thank you uh the only good guy in this movie i'm gonna say it is steve balmer Wo- wozniak is a cuck and a weirdo who crashes airplanes Bill Gates is always late for airplanes. Paul Allen is a toast idiot with the most generic name since John Smith. Only Chad Balmer sees everything for what it is. I bet he's red pilled as fuck, and he's a billionaire through sheer cock power. It's a, uh, it's a, it's, it's really a shame that he was played by DiMaggio because DiMaggio is. Is such a loser and and a, a gross
1: idiot. Well, I was going to say Paul Allen. Isn't that a character from? Isn't that the bloke that everybody forgets in uh, American Psycho? Isn't his name Paul Allen?
2: Yeah, his name is Paul Allen. There's like <laughs> Paul Allens like in real life and like politics that I hear come up, and I I think to myself, Paul Allen, the Microsoft guy, <laughs> like
1: like no, this Paul Allen, the guy everyone forgets from American Psycho.
2: <laughs> have
0: either of you ever seen any of Steve Ballmer's speeches?
1: No. Uh, yes,
2: absolutely. In fact, I, I believe I made reference to the most memeish thing he's ever done at the beginning of this episode, where he's running around like a like a gorilla, screaming <laughs> "Developers, developers, developers!" Like he had no idea what to do when Bill Gates left the company and he was given the reins. Like he didn't really know what to do. He was just sort of riding the uh, the momentum. Uh, he's just a Chad.
1: So you're just saying he got the job through granddad rights? Is that what you're saying? He'd just been there yeah. long enough so he was the next in the queue
2: yeah i mean i guess he could get well, stuff done something like that
0: <laughs> like um the best sort of a best decision that was made during his tenure at microsoft was they started working on their enterprise stuff like azure started under balmer but it only sort of paid off under the new indian guy so he sort of his tenure as as chief of Microsoft gets viewed as like a almost like a lost decade for Microsoft, but that's not really the case. He essentially put them onto the path they are currently taking.
1: You mean the way? You mean the way Trump's benefiting from uh, Obama's? I knew. <laughs> I, I was thinking the exact <laughs> same thing. <laughs> <laughs> No,
2: but that's a good point. Oh, I, I was thinking about that also. Um, but but Paul Allen like spent all of his time after Microsoft with like fake and gay charity stuff. And I want to talk a bit about the same kind of thing that uh, Bill Gates is doing with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So this foundation is dedicated to uh, uh, indicting people who steal Windows 10. No wait.
1: Well, what, what I was going to say was, if, if that Bill from that documentary is the same Bill that does charity work, what the hell is he doing charity work for? What is, what is the dark underbelly to the charity work he's doing?
2: <laughs> well, the way that I see this situation is that Bill Gates is like the gentle scientist who began with a noble goal, but became twisted and dark when his experiments went awry. Sort of like Mr. Freeze from Batman. Um... <laughs> So so Bill Gates thought he could use his infinite wealth to, like, fix Africa. But you can't fix Africa when it's full of Africans. No offense, (laughs) Sarl. Now, uh, instead of confronting reality, and this is what he's recently said on Twitter, he wants Africans to spread and encompass the world. Because, in my opinion, the way that he sees, and Bono is sort of like this as well now, um, because if everyone is African... There will be nobody to compare them to unfavorably. And this to me is like a mark of insanity. It's just like destroy the whole if if, if I if I do this, then Africa can never be, you know, mislabeled again as an inferior place, you know. Yeah, this
0: is this is sort of one way he can achieve his goal. Like it's it's almost like he started
1: out of a goal. Speaking of Bono, do you know the difference between Bono and God? One of them is real? God doesn't ponce around with sunglasses on thinking he's Bono. <laughs> and by the way i was saying bono's not real (laughs) this was supposed to be a a switcheroo
2: wait what were you saying uh uh about about gates's intentions it's almost like he he picked uh, something he wanted to achieve and
0: he's gone through like every other possible way to try and do it and they've all failed so now that's like the last you know the only way he can make his he can make his plan succeed
2: the nuclear option if you will yeah
0: or the samsung option if you will
2: so to me this film encompasses the entirety of the technology era except for the final chapter of that era which is today which is happening right now its defining characteristic is commodification so all the tech companies are led by someone fresh off the boat now like from india or east asia usually. and I mean, Apple is led by the former supply chain manager, for fuck's sake. He's not Indian or East Asian, but he's not anything at all like Steve Jobs. My um, hypothesis on that is that Jobs thought, well, this person with this skill can keep Apple afloat until the next man comes the next the next person who can lead apple uh, uh comes out of the woodwork now i don't apple is the richest company of all time steve jobs was obviously right again but perhaps he might be over optimistic about someone being able to rise up and and kind of do what jobs did
1: well you usually find if you've got someone who who isn't suited to the job they're they're not going to make someone who's better at the job than they are are they they those kind of people tend to cling really hard to power don't
2: yeah yeah you're right it might just be that um the money is going to actually block somebody new from rising up you're absolutely right uh they may become less uh daring and less uh they may take fewer risks and and uh, on the flip side, Microsoft has probably become the most daring, risk-taking, and open company in tech right now. I'm actually very happy with what Microsoft is doing. They're doubling down, dedicating themselves to cross-platform solutions, open-source solutions, and doing a lot of good for tech.
0: Yeah, they've almost made PHP relevant at this point. I mean, if your options are either something like Angular or React, or now with Microsoft Core, like there's the, the old argument was always you can either have like a cheaply made, slightly crappy site, but you get free service, or you can have like a high quality, like Microsoft MVC site, but you have to pay for the service. Now
2: you almost
0: can get the best of both worlds.
2: And this is Microsoft's angle. Microsoft's angle is to kind of uh, be the corporate master, but also be, be ground level as well. And this, to me, it shows that we're in a period of settling. Uh, what was once so transformative, cutting edge, and even chic for decades is now in its, in its gloaming. Smartphones are no longer the curios that enhance our daily lives with each update. They change about as much each year as a Honda Civic. Uh, The last big innovation in software, I think, was the hamburger menu, which was 10 years ago, and even that was invented (laughs) in the 1980s. People keep spouting that tech is going to dovetail in automation, but it's a fucking meme. Please get over it already. You might as well be waiting for nanomachines to cure aging and all disease, which was what everyone was hyping in the early 2000s.
1: Well, people that try to predict are usually wrong anyway, because I I remember about uh, probably 10-15 years ago hearing a report on the news where they said that uh, mobile phones had reached saturation point and they're going to have trouble selling handsets. And that
2: probably was the case before smartphones came out of the woodwork and especially when the iPhone entered that category. Uh, smartphones were sort of uh, they were around and every carrier offered multiple smartphones but they just weren't, like they, they all had problems a lot of them were designed by like Koreans or Chinese and that sort of brings to mind like, imagine anything, absolutely anything in this story happening in a world without our people. Like, the technology just wouldn't exist. And if it magically did exist, it would probably be used for insipid, vain purposes.
1: Hmm. Without refugees, you wouldn't have Steve Jobs, bigot. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: I, were, did we have syrian refugees in, in the seven in the 60s or 70s
1: apparently it was a syrian refugee Was
2: and then he abandoned his child left his mom single and created a, a psychotic hopper well <laughs> w- we don't need to imagine the world i'm describing because that is precisely the focus of the story in our next film the social network oh. Apparently guys who row crew are world-class
1: athletes. I wonder if that's true. Why did the guy who invented... Because that college thing he was going on was called Facebook, wasn't it? Why didn't whoever invented that go after him?
2: No, 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 no. Uh, Facebook is a generic term that just basically... It's sort of a roster. Like, a lot of colleges had this. So uh, this was supposed to be THE Facebook.
1: Uh, that's why. That's why it's called the Facebook because it's like the Facebook of Facebook.
2: But yes, precisely. And it's yeah, it's it's a, a digital, you know, enhancement with My MySpace thrown in. Um, but now it's basically, you know. A horde of come again, uh, <laughs> monitoring and uh, moderating your speech while also collecting the personal information of over a billion people. Uh, when this came out 10 years ago, it was a half a billion people, but now it's like over a billion. Um, I actually didn't watch through the whole thing this time, like, uh, like in this sitting, I decided I'm not gonna go through this Bryce, oh. as he, you know, at this very moment, like subjugates the populace.
1: Oh, interesting. This film, this film was written. By a fella called Ben Mesrick, who, who graduated magna cum laude with a, with a degree in social studies from Harvard University.
2: Wow, what a what a surprise!
1: So it's yet another one. I because I, I always assumed it would have been this would have been written by well obviously not not uh, not not Zuckerberg, but I would have thought this was written by um, his former partner. But it wasn't even written by either of them.
2: No, no, not at all. I mean, uh, Harvard's basically just a mafia. And and all these, all these alumnus and people who come from there, like Bill Gates, for example, like they're all just, you know, it's impossible to tell whether any of them would have been successful if they hadn't been there at Harvard with those connections. You know what I mean? You don't go to college to learn things. You go to college in order to make connections. That's all it's for. Even the diploma does not matter at all
1: oh before we start talking about the content of it i mean this is an absolutely beautiful it's a lovely film to watch uh, fincher really knows how to, how to put together a really nice film is that any takes on this film
0: well the one thing i can say about it is it's one of a few cases where the real life person looks better than the actor the guy <laughs> who plays zuckerberg is really weird looking like i mean
1: and zuckerberg is like default texture no. It takes something when you're talking about uh, Jesse Eisenberg and saying that, doesn't it? <laughs>
2: One thing that struck out to me is the difference in just 10 years between Pirates and Social Network and I've said this before on the show about how like it's weird to watch movies a decade apart and see just how much has has changed in terms of the escalation of degeneracy but there's so much more in Social Network just as as like a film if you just think of it as a film and I think it has little to do with Pirates being a TV movie like all these All these Jews shape-shifting into Asians are going to be fantastic because, well, we can finally use nukes for their intended purpose by God.
1: Oh, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, what time period is that? Is that set before or at the same sort of time?
2: I feel like this was before. I feel like this was the mid-90s or early 90s in Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall
1: Street's in the 80s then. Is it?
2: Wolf of Wall Street? I don't know, actually. Why? Why do you bring that up? Oh,
1: I don't know. It's, it's just like the 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 house. You know, whether whether where in like the frac the the house they buy in California. It seems very like Wolf of Wall Streety, doesn't it? With the drinking and the um and the women about and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street does take place in the nineties. Um, but I I guess the um. I, I think it depends on on how you depict it. So apparently, like a regular day at Harvard is as debaucherous as a, a drug-addled sex addict on Wall Street. Like, okay. I mean, if that's really the case, and if if Harvard is producing the next generation of elites each and every year, great. Okay, again, refer back to my statement about nukes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure a good chunk of Harvardites do uh, do end up in Wall Street as well. Don't they? No
2: doubt. I mean, they end up everywhere that you can name uh, that would be influential, <laughs> right? You can walk through the the grassy knolls and the hallways of. Um, <laughs> of harvard and you can just like spot like ah this is where the next generation of elites are being created and if you just if you just look at them you can get a feel for the destruction that they're ready to cause i don't think they're they're having this much sex though
0: <laughs> there's also the the aspect of that chaotic uh, room for rent in california It's supposed to be sort of the the influence sean parker is having on facebook or on zuckerberg
1: I think it was just he didn't have the opportunity at Harvard. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, had the, if he had the opportunity, his dorm room probably would have looked exactly the same as that place in California. Well,
2: imagine if this... Um, I, I don't know where Zuckerberg is from, but what I... Maybe, maybe it is California, but when we look at Pirates of Silicon Valley and then we look at... Like, the people around them in in, in that movie, and we look at the people around Zuckerberg in the social network, like, I tend to notice a big difference in the kind of people, right? Like, I mentioned that a little bit already, but (laughs) um, there's, uh, I I went pretty deeply into that, but there's a lot of uh, East Asian, Indian uh, and uh tribes person influence in um i mean really you just got all of asia middle south and east uh gathering around this social network and basically you know gathering um an eighth of the world around, around that social network
1: well again this this film looks like it's heavily um it's heavily fictionalized isn't it with the oh i saw your chimney explode and i was just over the road at someone else's house
2: I feel like the spirit of it is sort of kept the same, sort of like with pirates. Um like yeah, it's probably amped up to be more entertaining, but I have no doubt that uh Zuckerberg is sort of just as narcissistic that he's used his his money and whatnot uh to get out of being an incel and uh and and absolutely, you know, he's he has his uh uh there's the whole there's the whole trope of you know these nerds banging asian girls so uh i don't think there's uh too much discrepancy from from reality here
1: the author of this is married to where he's married he's married to an asian chick as well
0: Uh, there's a whole scene about why do jewish guys like asian girls
2: and this was ten years ago. Uh, it's it's no um, secret to anybody that they are they are shape shifting into Asians, and it's sort of a I don't know. It's almost like a biological process. I don't I don't think it's like a a planned thing. Of course, I think it's just sort of an organic biological process that where you know survival. Um, sort of works out its own mechanism
1: well this this here says it all because ben mesrick who wrote the book it was based on he lives in boston massachusetts and he's been married to tonya m chen since 2006.
2: you know the um recent um uh, freshman class of harvard would have been 43 percent asian if not for affirmative action so they're now actually turning away asians so that they can bring in more blacks and hispanics and still still the representation of blacks and hispanics at harvard and in the ivy league in general has decreased over the last 50 years I mean that should be obvious to anyone listening but um, the only only colleges where that is not the case are uh, state schools where they essentially have laws I mean then they will they'll you know use affirmative action to change those numbers and they will basically let anyone in like <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to anyone who goes to a state school but you probably already knew that was the case so we have people who started from nothing and rose to the top we have someone who basically started at the top and then went even higher to the tippy top and next we're going to talk about people who had nothing and still have nothing in our next film we are legion ask me what i fight against and you'll call me a hacktivist ask me who i fight against and you'll call me a nazi
1: uh, tonight- They did attack the evil Nazis, though, didn't they?
2: Yeah, so this is actually not a docudrama. This is a straight-up documentary, kind of a low-budget one. And this is about the uh, hacktivist group Anonymous, and uh, it was filmed and released in 2011 and, and 2012, uh, respectively. Just a year or two before everything everywhere changed, and this really rocked my mind because, like, GamerGate, SJWs, Hillary, Trump, etc., have completely reshaped social dynamics, internet, uh, the internet, thoughts on freedom of speech since this was made, and so it's just like, like, my mind is full of fuck watching this and i think that this is reflective of what became of anonymous which basically around 2013 2014 fractured into sjw's and the alt-right although i suspect it was more the latter than the former um these are still distinct uh, distinct groups that sort of spread out from anonymous and 4chan
1: because a lot of these guys seem to be from the left the left wing of uh, anonymous didn't they
2: it seems that way but you never know right like you never really know because this was in 2011 and in the last eight years like a lot of perspectives and a lot of information has been put out there especially as these people who have you know fought against certain things understand every time who it is and you can you can't really look at this uh, documentary and feel like you understand, like, what actually was evolving behind the scenes. Because clearly, they're not going to to follow certain trends and explain certain trends to you. The goal of this is to make these hacktivists look like I mean, basically, the image that a lot of them have of themselves probably is like, I'm a left wing you know, liberal or libertarian. And, I, and the image of the person I have in my mind that I'm fighting against is an old white male Republican. Right. And that is sort of the, the romance of the anonymous movement, especially um, among young people. Um, the first person they focus on, the first person they interview is Mercedes Hafer, more like Mercedes Heffer, right? And she's, she's featured heavily throughout as an interviewee, but from what I can tell, she's just a girl on the
1: internet. She was in the court case, wasn't she? The, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: but, but because she's a girl on the internet, I think that makes her a prime candidate for media spots. Yeah. I think, like, she'll talk to anyone for attention. And and even though at the time of of this filming, she was being tried in court, as you mentioned, she essentially confesses to everything she's being accused of. Oh, okay. (laughs) So still, like, with a name like Mercedes, you know, kudos to her for not being a stripper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it seems like she she had no, like, hacking ability. And I don't think she had, um, you know, much say within Anonymous. I think it's, as you say, she really was just somebody willing to give an interview.
1: Just the poster girl for her. Um Exactly. Yeah, because the other thing is most of these people, all they seem to be involved in was the DDoS on Church of Scientology.
2: Yeah, they're not, like, like hacking is such a huge meme. Like, hack that the kind of hacking that they would do... It's very, very simple. You can't have like 10,000 hackers because hacking, like if you want to get really deep into it, there's a very high bar of entry. For intelligence, uh, you need to study things very deeply and become very intimately familiar with IT. you're, you're not gonna be able to gather together 10,000 people who are that skilled. A lot of them are just going to be bored and they're gonna be able to follow like a tutorial that someone else sets up for them, but it really needs to be laid out in front of them. And therefore you can only do simple things like DDoS attacks, where, you know, as they describe in the documentary is basically like automatically pressing the refresh button on a website 800,000 times until the server gets overwhelmed and shuts down. This is a very, very, very basic concept. People have been doing it for decades. Uh, At least, you know, at the time that this movie was filmed, they had been. Um, There's a a lot of... uh, It's pretty easy to stop this kind of attack now. There are actually companies dedicated to it. Uh, Companies like Cloudflare is the most... They're the most famous one. But... um, and this is probably their biggest, uh, their biggest technique is just these DDoS attacks, and and this is something that like the SJW groups within that came out of Anonymous, they they still kind of do this. They're not hacking.
1: They're not like yeah. really breaking into anything. They're not exactly Matthew Broderick in war games, are they?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, the most sophisticated thing they do is if you go back and look at stuff like LulzSec is they did a bit of SQL injection and password guessing, where eventually if you can find somebody's login in the DB, you can maybe get access to the backend, which were then used to deface websites.
2: Right. That is a somewhat, at least somewhat clever technique that requires a more abstract understanding of technology yeah. and IT. In the doc, they talk about how Anonymous attacked a few different groups. They attacked white nationalism, they attacked the Egyptian government, Uh, they attacked big media, and then... Scientology. So uh, I thought I'd uh, note that how, how these different groups turned out. So I think Anon ended up strengthening white nationalism by revealing uh, radio, show, uh, radio show host uh, Hal Turner uh, to be an FBI informant. And of course, a lot of Anonymous are probably now white nationalists themselves, or at least acknowledge the legitimacy of the issues that white nationalists present. So I don't know how well that worked out for Anon. Um, the Egyptian government fell. I don't think that really had much of anything to do with it. Wasn't, wasn't
1: that astroturfed anyway? So basically, all, all all Anon did was help out the CIA. Was that was the one that confused me because they seem to have been used in that. I don't, I don't think they they helped anything out they? Yeah, but I also don't think
0: that was that big. I think that was more like a smaller splinter off.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, what 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 happened was that the Egyptian government, for anyone who didn't follow this, was replaced by an Islamist military me- regime, which fell a year later, and the new one has been kind of chugging along ever since then for the past seven years or so.
1: What well, was Egypt before or after Libya? I can't remember. I think Libya started it and then Egypt was the knock-on one.
2: That's what I, yeah, Libya and Syria,
1: yeah. Yeah, and so so it's ba- I mean, Libya was absolutely astroturfed, depending on what your opinions for why it happened. The Libyans. So really, really, all anonymous did was was help out the government, basically.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and if you kind of look at these uh, trends, what Anonymous claims is that they are protecting freedom of speech and and, and openness and hurting people who deserve it. But the way that they're doing this is by restricting the transfer of information. That's the only way that they can, um, in most cases, um, except for the WikiLeaks thing. But I feel like a lot of it... (laughs) Some of these people who were so fervently protecting WikiLeaks probably hate WikiLeaks now because they revealed the wrong information, right? So there's so much mindfuckery going on as I'm watching this. Like it's almost a time capsule. Yeah.
1: Well, not only that, they, do you remember, they do you remember they highlighted the uh, the evil Nazis that were using PayPal. So basically, all they did instead <laughs> of helping out helping out um, Assange, they just got a load of other people free speech taken away, didn't they?
2: Eventually, yeah. A lot of these people are now, they're doxers. Um, They were the ones trying to protect people from being doxed, like feminists, and, and then they turned around and started doxing others themselves. They were attacking big media. But big media is now stronger than ever, and I feel like a lot of SJWs are entirely in alliance with them. I bet a bunch of the geeks, the quote geeks you see in the uh, movie, in the documentary, are slurping soy and going to every Marvel film opening now.
1: To be fair, most of these were probably probably just did the D- DDoS attacks and are just more than too happy to appear on a documentary talking some media.
2: Yeah, possibly. I mean, in some ways, Anonymous is kind of fake and gay, but in other ways, they're not. It was just a way to have this uh, this very ideologically friendly rebellion for people who spend most of their time at home. They even openly admit that a lot of people who would show up at these protests got laid because they attended the protests instead of staying home at their mom's house all day.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the interesting thing about this film, It's like you said, it's sort of like a time capsule because everything that they set out to achieve, they failed. And the other thing is in the movie, these people seem like, oh, this is this revolution they're starting. This is this new way of thinking. This is going to change everything. This is this big thing. And in the greater scheme of things, it was nothing. Like it's it's a blip. Like uh, 20 years from now, people are going to, not know what anonymous was
1: well, it, contrary to that it's not it's not they didn't do nothing they did negative nothing didn't they 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 put things back for a lot of people yeah. didn't okay they? I'll, I'll
2: tell you why i disagree i disagree because um they did fight for the idea and 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 i feel like their their ideas were infectious this whole thing about the internet is for the spreading of information and and not just that but like ultimate free speech absolutism the only problem that they encountered, and this was eventually their downfall, is when free speech absolutism led to truths and facts and ideas that they didn't like anymore, right?
1: <laughs> well, really, the only people to have stopped them successfully were the Church of Scientology, weren't they?
2: Right. I think they did a lot to keep Scientology in the Zeitgeist and create a culture of rebellion against Scientology.
1: But Scientology, they they cut they, they essentially cut the head off, didn't they? Because they got as many of them as they could, ran them through the court. And and then kind of, I mean, I, I should I should I should imagine most people at Anonymous think twice about attacking Scientology again. wouldn't they? Yeah, maybe
2: there were a lot of people involved. I'm not sure if like those court cases even ever resolved. I couldn't actually find much information.
1: But one of the lads on the program, he had a what a year in prison and a and a year without being allowed to go on a computer.
2: Oh right, yeah, they did actually mention that uh, I think in the doc. So um, yeah, I mean, there was that. I I can't really uh it's not that bad. I don't think he went to like a state penitentiary. He probably just went to a place where he hung out and read books for a year.
1: Hopefully, because he, yeah, well, he didn't even deserve to do any time, did he? I mean, that's a prisonable offense.
2: Uh, I don't agree with that. I think that it's it's pretty bad. It's sort of like property destruction. However, that doesn't mean I have any sympathy for Scientology. <laughs> it's sort of like he'll go away for doing it. But I think like anyone who understands what happened will just regard it as civil disobedience and uh, actually regard him more highly for it. So it's very different from the kind of disobedience that you have today. Like if he had gone away for taking down the ADL's website or the SPLC or something like that, you know, it certainly wouldn't be regarded the same way even though the effects are uh, and the rationale are extremely similar um but but as for scientology itself i don't think the effects that anonymous had were immediate and no one has objective stats on this but scientology is not doing great it's banned in a few parts of europe um, i don't see them in public anymore and i believe that their momentum is either in totally evaporated or they're actually shrinking rapidly.
1: They're losing members but they're not losing money. I think Scientology is at the point now where it probably doesn't actually need any members to carry on as like a big swindle because <laughs> they own acres and acres of of like real estate. So it's like it, it depends what you measure of success is with, with the Scientology. I, I think they are losing members but but they're certainly not losing uh, finances or power or actual physical property.
2: Yeah, you might be right. They may have investments and other interests which keep them afloat they may have uh, made hay while the sun was shining you never really know uh do we do we know anything about perhaps the Levantine influencer not specific what in Scientology
1: or in Anonymous
2: in Scientology I mean there was clearly some in in Anonymous not a lot though
1: I don't know but it um I I suppose it depends on your opinion opinion of uh, Miscavige who currently runs it
2: oh okay so we don't really know
1: not really no um it's kind of it's 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 its own thing really i don't think you really could other than getting to the very top of it it's not something that the masses can subvert from the stuff i've seen about scientology
0: yeah it's also not really something you can understand because from the outside it's either a weird religion or a creepy cult or it's like some kind of tax dodge I don't think anybody, except for the people at the top of Scientology, really knows what its goals are.
1: And it's 100% a top-down organisation, so basically whoever's at the top is the person that trickles down. So I, I don't think the Levantines would have much of a chance of taking hold of it, unless you have a at the top. But I don't know much about David Miscavige, who currently runs it
2: right well i mean it is a business it is a a money
1: grab Well, it's literally all of those things it's it's a really it's a yeah. religion a cult and 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 a money making scam it's all, it's all of those yeah. things none of those things
2: yeah i mean why why would anybody anybody trust a religion that requires you to pay money to move up within it. That is insane.
1: Well, an insane amount of people are born into it. Because uh, I've, I've watched, it, watched a podcast really? about Scientology. Yeah, yeah, an insane amount of people are born into it.
2: Are you familiar with Sea Org?
1: Yes. I've, I've like I say, I've watched far too much about Scientology.
2: <laughs> yeah, when uh, Scientology was like in the zeitgeist and was really controversial i read a ton about it and sea org was especially disturbing to me it was apparently like a city on the sea made up of a bunch of yachts and l ron hubbard the creator of scientology like lived there a lot of the year and he had (laughs) like a whole bunch of boys at his side. So,
1: Well, you saw, he also yeah. had the girls, didn't he? He had the messenger core. He had the messenger and they were all young girls.
2: Really? So he yeah. had a lot of kids around him, or, yeah. or young teens.
1: Well, ba- well basically, the, pa- the parents would give the children up to the Sea Org, and um, I don't know whether you know about the contract for the Sea Org. Do you know how long a contract you sign up for for the Sea Org?
2: No, seven years.
1: It's a billion-year contract. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh, quite a lot more than seven years. Wow.
1: <laughs> a couple more than seven years. It's a billion-year contract to sign up with the Sea Org.
2: Wow. Well, uh, you know what? A billion years is still a lot shorter than our contract with this episode. Thank God the episode gets to end. I'd really love to thank Sarl for coming on. It was great having
1: you, bud. Thanks a lot. No problem. It was fun being here.
2: Oh, I'm glad. And Hemingford, until next time, my dude.
1: Same bat time, same bat channel.
2: One of our friends called Anonymous a huge LARP. Us old fags remember how exciting it was whenever Anonymous jabbed at the beast, as tiny and insignificant as those jabs ended up being. Encyclopedia Dramatica has this to say about Anonymous. In the past, depending on who one asks, they would have received one of two answers regarding the motives of Anonymous. These being either, I did it for the lulz, or some bullshit about securing a future for generations to come free from oppressive government rule because anonymous has no face or name its actions could not be truly justified or understood of course that was in the past as noted in the beginning of this article anonymous is a sad shell of its former self the only motivation it has now is to turn the entire internet into a collective hug box, removing any and all lulls, and making it a safe space that Anita Sarkeesian and Brianna Wu would be proud to call home. R.I.P. Old Anonymous. To all of our listeners, may your lulls be plentiful, and stay dope. People
1: me on the city lights Just like the way that you used to do